0: And joining us right now here on the show is former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Doug, thank you so much. What is your, first of all, your reaction to this? This would be uh, just stunning if they actually went through with charges. But do you read the tea leaves the way The New York Times does? Uh, Not necessarily
1: 100 percent. First of all, I agree uh, with the way you teed it up, obviously, no American president um, has ever been indicted, so obviously it would be seismic. Uh, but the listeners need some context too. It's very interesting, reader. Real quick, because don't forget, you know, Mark Pomerantz and another senior lawyer—they uh, quit uh, their job as you know special assistant district attorneys. Um, you know, when they felt that Alvin Bragg wasn't going forward. So how ironic would that be um, in terms of, uh, you know, now they do go forward with the case. You know, those guys kind of jumped the gun, uh, so to speak. The other thing is, of course, the reference to Aesop's fable. I'm not kidding. The boy who cried wolf. So time and time again, and I'm not editorializing, I'm not taking any political sides, but time and time and time again, we have heard charges are imminent. This is it. They find have him and so on and so forth. So I'll believe it when I see it is the point. Now on the X's and O's, which is why I think he called me um, the legal X's and O's. I mean, first, apparently, if the sources are to be believed, then I'm sure it's accurate. You know, the former president was invited to appear before the grand jury. Um, That's an interesting development. Real quick for everybody, and I know you know this, of course. Witnesses in New York State grand juries get automatic immunity, but if you want to testify on your own behalf in this type of an instance where they're looking at you, you have to waive that immunity. In federal court, uh, in the grand jury, you don't get that immunity. Uh, That's a point of big, big distinction. So, you know, Joe Tacopina, you know, I know a little bit, you know, came out and said, look, it doesn't necessarily mean um, that they are going to indict him. He he. He cited the fact that a lot of time has gone by, which is true, might ostensibly be some issue vis-a-vis statute of limitations. But I think the most interesting question of all is, well, let's break down the case itself. That's
0: what you know, I was going to say. Everybody knows and exactly. remembers. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Let's go to the case, Doug, because it's yeah. interesting. It goes with Stormy Daniels. When we first I saw it, I was like, wait a minute. But then they're trying to tie it to campaign funds. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, and, you know, you're right on top of it. This is the key, and it's so interesting because basically, you know, $130,000 payment, everybody knows this, um, but just setting up the table, um, was made uh, to Stormy Daniels. On its best day, you know, that's some type of, you know, Payment, so that they can you know make sure that the story isn 't published somewhere on its worst day, and this has come up apparently in the internal workings of the investigation you know it 's been categorized as some type of quasi extortion attempt by her seriously i 'm going to go public with this information during your big political campaign unless i 'm paid but the bottom line reality is Michael Cohn arranged to pay her one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in what 's been you know, described as hush money. They signed all kinds of non-disclosure documents. They actually used different names. President Trump used a different name. I think it was Davidson, something like that. Stormy Daniels used a different name. Um, and that's that. So, what's the crime? That's what everybody wants to know. Okay, under New York State law, this is interesting. Um, they're saying that uh, false. Business documents were filed in connection with that transaction. The only problem, um, from the standpoint of getting Donald John Trump's scalp, is that that's a misdemeanor, reader. Okay, but it can be bumped up and elevated to a felony under New York law if it's in connection with uh, an independent crime and this is where it gets very very interesting and i have the benefit of just having read a book about this and i am not going to say the name of this book okay <laughs> but i think you know which one <laughs> we're think, talking about i
0: <laughs> think i know go ahead yep. so i read
1: that book and i'm glad i did for purposes of being here tonight okay and in the book the point is they say that under new york law If you file a false business document in connection with another crime under New York state law, then it can be elevated to a felony. Assume for the sake of argument, particularly coming out of that book, that there is no ostensible other New York state law that's violated, can't do it. So what they do is... They, they start twisting, you know, the boundaries of a statute, and they're saying, well, we want to go with the theory that a false business document was filed in connection with a federal crime. Reading your mind from two minutes ago, you raised the thing about election violation, so the... Argument is you know that's really a campaign contribution the way that works because it benefits his campaign, but the author of this aforementioned book that I will not mention the name of points out that it is extremely unclear under New York law whether or not uh doing uh, filing a false business document in connection with what might be a federal crime qualifies under the new york statute, so it's extremely uh tenuous, murky. Uh, gray area stuff, basically. Okay, you know so, what? You know yeah.
0: what? Doug Burns and everybody. We're talking to the great former federal prosecutor, Doug Burns. Doug, you know, you hit it on the head. When I was seeing this, it seemed to me that it was a bit of a stretch, just like you're saying. And yeah. it seems to me like they have been so determined to try to go after Trump. And my other thought was, based on what they're claiming here. And even if they use what you're just talking about with the federal crime attaching okay. to it, um, mm-hmm. this seems like a rarity that they would go after somebody for it. But they seem like sort of like trying to they have a person and they're trying to find the crime, if you will.
1: you saw so so on the money. I mean, spot on, Rita. The point is, as a former prosecutor, you know, I was handling. 20, 30 cases at a time. You now I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. So I was spread thin, and you'd work on this case, the other case, the other case. The reason people, uh, including my late father and others, were against special counsels, for example, and we'll call a couple other people who were tasked uh, to the DA's office, you know, Mark Pomerantz, I'll name him, um, as a special, you know, assistant, he's sitting there with one case. It's a crusade. All out. okay. And the point is, um, the minute you have to and this is inside baseball, the minute you have to as a prosecutor say, wow, I really need to research whether or not this potential theory might fly. I don't buy that. okay. As I jokingly told my wife, I said, hey, I, I would prosecute a bank robbery case. The defendant pointed a gun at a teller got money and left, I didn't have to start researching whether the bank robbery statute could be stretched and manipulated and interpreted, okay? And, you know, the listeners will pardon my sarcasm, but the reality is this is not about me being left, right, center, Republican, Democrat. It's about law. X's and O's right down the middle. And so to charge Trump, in my opinion, on this Stormy Dennis thing is a little bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels like, even just looking at it. And now let me just ask you from stepping back from a a generic case, um, if it based on the tea leaves and saying, okay, well, he's offered the chance to appear before the Manhattan grand jury. Um, the New York Times, they've had some pretty good stuff on, on Trump in terms of breaking stuff. It's funny, you know, of course when it helps Trump they don't get anything. But when it's <laughs> when it's negative they seem to get his tax records, remember? Everything. Sure, remember it was like, Oh, what else can we do, right? Please, Absolutely. within minutes. But but based on that, um how typical is it likely that someone would be, um, you know, now that they've offered the chance to appear? I assume he's saying, no, I don't want to appear. You know, it's a kangaroo court, like you said, about everything else. Right. Um, given that, typically, is that a sign, uh, like preponderance, that there may well, be the charges key... coming? And how soon?
1: Yeah. Now, the key to your question is that, you know, When I was literally reading a couple of articles on this, um, just getting ready to speak with you, the point is they said, you know, it is extremely likely in that situation that somebody's going to be indicted, and that's according to the New York Times, okay? So you kind of have to filter that a little. You're asking me as a legal expert, is that really, uh, you know, 90% true, 85% true? Not necessarily, honestly. Um, So, again, in this toxic climate we're in, you know, everything I say as a legal point, you know, some people say, oh, he's defending him. I can't believe that's not about that. It's about pure legal X's and O's, to repeat myself. And so the bottom line, to answer your very, very good question, Rita, is that just because they um, indicated um, that he would have an opportunity to testify in the grand jury doesn't necessarily uh, mean that they're going to indict him. But at the same time, you know, there are many, many, many instances, I know it sounds like I'm kind of waffling back and forth, but there are many instances where they contact uh, the person who they intend to indict or affirm an opportunity to come in, and if they decline and they don't hear from them further, they indict it. So, again, the problem with a real quick, you know, Alan Dershowitz-type pivot, uh, Ted Cruz-type pivot, is that the problem is when you uh, politicize criminal law, You know, you hardly need me to tell you this of all people, but when you start politicizing criminal law, then you start getting into situations where people are writing a book while an investigation is ongoing. That's outrageous on many levels, okay? Yep. Yep. And you have situations where reporters are saying, the witness just came out of the men's room on the floor where the grand jury is. The point is, that's not really the way the airline is supposed to be run, okay? Investigations are supposed to be you know confidential, largely, particularly grand jury. It's supposed to be secret. But once you 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 start politicizing criminal law, you start getting into these breathless reports, which is, you know, they're definitely indicting them and this and that. Now, I cannot make, I think you'll find this interesting, I cannot make a reliable prediction on this one, Uh, certainly not tonight. You know, I'm going to look at it much more closely, obviously, in the next couple of days you know, and probably be speaking about it and so forth. But I can't tell you one way or the other whether they're going to indict him, Rita.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is such (laughs) a fascinating—and by the way, your perspective, I just want to tell everybody, I have known you for decades, Doug Burns, and you are always a straight shooter, uh, where you call it and where you see it. No, 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 I appreciate you
1: saying that because, you know, if I may defend myself for a minute, you know, I try to call it like I see it legally— you know, without so much the consequences of the politics. I appreciate your compliment. Thank you.
0: Well, it is so true. One of the best in the business. My good friend, Doug Burns, great former federal prosecutor, and his dad was an awesome judge, too. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much, Doug. We appreciate it.